Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of All Aboard the J Train. This is your host, J Train. And once again, I know it's been a while. Uh, you know, life gets in the way. Work, kids, errands, all the things. But I'm back because I felt it was time to catch up with you guys. Hope everyone's doing okay. Uh, wanted to let you know about what's been going on with me. But before we jump into that, I don't know if anyone remembers, but I've done a podcast on uh, what it's like to survive a traumatic brain injury. And lately I've really been struggling with certain repercussions of that, which just shows that how years down the line it can still affect you. Before we jump into that, we're going to discuss some mental illness facts now. As I've heard on many other podcasts, I have to give a disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a professional. I'm just someone who's here giving my own experience. And of course, there's a much wider range of mental illnesses and disorders than I have right here, but, you know, I don't just want to list off a whole bunch of scientific shit for you guys. So, schizophrenia, it affects approximately 24 million people worldwide, and that's 1 in 300. It's very common in adults, but not so much as other mental disorders. Bipolar disorder is fairly common. That's one in every 100 adults. My brother, his wife, this is long before they were married, she has bipolar disorder, and she actually went batshit on my mom. And broke some stuff in our house. Threw a bottle of our dog's ear medication, and my mom got it in her eye. Luckily, nothing was harmed. But uh, that really scared my mom. It scared me, wondering if there was going to be any lasting effects. Thankfully, there wasn't. Except, you know, my brother didn't talk to us for a long time. But that's another story. Major depressive disorder affects approximately 17.3 million American adults. It's more prevalent in women than men. And 1.9 million children, 3 to 17, have diagnosed depression. My mom also had depression for many, many years. I'm sure it really got kicked into high gear after father passed away. She actually told me about this one incident where she claimed she was doing yoga and passed out because she hadn't eaten enough. And it wasn't until after my mom died that I found out it wasn't yoga. (laughs) She'd actually become so depressed she overdosed on a medication the doctor had prescribed her. 
This is while she was pregnant with me. So I kind of wonder if that's what's led to some of my problems. And it was my brother, who at the time was only about four years old. He came up to her and shook her awake. Well, mommy, mommy, are you alright? So that was actually kind of a scary thing to find out. Currently more than 55 million people live with dementia worldwide. And there's nearly 10 million new cases every year. My husband's grandfather actually just passed away from, well, after a um, years-long dementia battle. And watching his decline was quite heartbreaking because he went from a, a strong, confident former company CEO to just a shell of a man who shuffled around like an infant and didn't remember even his wife. Just kind of looked at her like some woman who bossed him around. And I didn't see this man at the end of his days, but my husband did. And he said it was very sad and very humbling to see what had become of his grandpa. About 2.3% of the population has OCD, and it's this has all the debil debilitating OCD stats show that treatment is effective. And a lot of people think that OCD is just having to make sure you do certain things a certain number of times, but apparently it's a lot deeper than that. And there are people who can be very affected by it that it takes over just their whole life. My ex-brother-in-law had OCD. He was very particular about how things were done, how the dishes were washed, even how they were stacked in the dishwasher. And with him having OCD and me having Asperger's, we kind of collided on a regular basis which made living together pretty difficult. I would try to help, and yet it seemed like everything that I did just wasn't good enough or up to his standards or whatever. And I didn't really understand the complexities of his disorder, so I just felt like what I was doing was pointless. We got along much better once we didn't live together anymore. Intermittent Explosive Disorder, or Explosive Personality Disorder, which is how it was explained to me, affects approximately 1.4 to 7% of the population. That is quite a uh, span there. 1.4 to 7? That doesn't seem very specific if you ask me, but that's the disorder that I'm here to talk about today, because that's what I struggle with. Now, I had that concussion back in 2011, and following my injury, the doctor put me on a medicine called Apranolol, and it worked really well for a while, 
it helped me calm down and I wasn't doing you know, such stupid things. I wasn't just angry all the time. After about, you know, six months, year, something like that, we decided it was okay and I could go off of it. And for quite a while, we just kind of let my seizure meds, which are also a mood stabilizer, you know, ride it out and let that control any sort of impulses or emotional distress that I may encounter. Within the last, I want to say two months, yeah, the, uh, the Lamotrigine hasn't been holding up to its end of the bargain, let's say, and I have been irritable and shaky. My husband A says that I've been twitching in my sleep a lot. There were nights where I would just want to go out and do something completely destructive and stupid. Break something or eat something bad or just go fuck someone. And on the nights that I worked, I was so thankful that they locked the doors to the store <laughs> because then I didn't go do those things. And on the nights that I was home, if I felt like that, it was easiest just to go to bed because then I could just sleep it off and be better in the morning. But then it just, it just seemed to be getting worse. And it was all I could think about was doing something quote unquote bad. And I was angry and it was almost impossible to have a conversation. I was shaking even during the daytime. I don't, I don't really know what changed. It just seemed to come on all of a sudden. It kind of came to a head, though, one day when I took my daughter P to get a haircut. If I remember correctly, this was Christmas Eve. And she didn't really want to go. I honestly didn't want to make her, but my in-laws were kind of insistent, saying she needs to have a haircut so she looks good for Christmas. So, we went down to a local hair salon, and right from the get-go, P was not having it. She didn't want to sit still. She kept moving her head. Even though I'd done my best to brush her hair before we left, she still had a couple of tangles. So, the hairdresser lady was trying to work them out. And P was just mad. She got her hair trimmed to a degree. Not as good as I would have liked it. Because it's still kind of getting in her face. And she's gotten this habit of like, chewing on it. Which makes it gross. Hard to deal with. But eventually P just started getting to the point where she was yelling and fighting. And she was saying no, no. So... The hairdresser gave up, and I went to the counter, and I paid, and then P knocked something off of the counter, some pens or something, 
and the hairdresser told us, get out of my shop. I was like, oh shit. So now I'm not even sure that we can go back to that place anymore. Anyway, P and I were walking home and I was furious because she'd misbehaved so badly and she'd made me look like a bad mom who doesn't know how to control her kid. And so eventually I pulled her to the side behind a building and I was just so fed up, I, I smacked her across the face. I know it was wrong, because, you know, but in the moment, my anger just took over, and I couldn't control myself, and so then, of course, P got really upset and was crying, and I didn't care. I just dragged her home, and I didn't really speak to her until we got in the door. I told her to go in her room and stay there. And it took me about five or ten more minutes to finally come down from that. And then I realized, holy shit, I smacked my kid across the face. And I felt really bad. Um, she doesn't have any sort of lasting mental effects from it, from what I can tell still talks to me, she still wants to be around me, so it's not like that caused any ripple effects, I hope not. But I think that's when I finally realized something's just not right. And then there was a work night where even my boss could tell that there was something wrong with me. And he asked what was up, and I said, the only way I know how to explain it is to say that my brain feels, quote unquote, sick. And I didn't like it, but I didn't know how to fix it. So I had a appointment with my GP shortly thereafter. And so I started to Hairdresser fiasco. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not always angry. I'm trying to uh, keep my impulses under control. There's still times where I just want to gorge on all kinds of unhealthy stuff. Or, I don't really want to break things anymore. Not having that. I just don't know how long prescriptions for just fun sweet from that. 
can be really scary and really frustrating when you have feelings like this. You know that they're bad, but you also know that you can't really control it. I'm not saying that that's an excuse. But I don't know. It's uh, there's just so many things about mental illness that people don't understand, and they think that it can be some sort of easy fix. And yeah, medication helps, but it doesn't fix everything, and sometimes. You know, it takes a while to find the right medication. Like I said, I thought uh, my Lamotrigine, the anti-seizure med, was taking care of everything. And obviously it wasn't. I don't know what happened in my brain that caused the explosive personality disorder to get bad again like it was. And it's kind of scary. But at least I could recognize the symptoms and know that I needed help. But there's so many people who they either don't recognize the symptoms or they're too scared to get help or they don't think they need to or they don't have the um, capabilities to get help. Or people don't listen. They say, oh, it's it's all in your head. It's not real. Uh, you can get better just by thinking happy thoughts. And that's that's not how it worked. Because, I mean, I tried thinking more positive thoughts. But I just didn't have control of like, who I was and what I thought. It's, it's frustrating and it's scary. And I hated what I was like when I'm that person. And I'm sure there's plenty of other people out there with the disorders that I mentioned, schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, and they hate but themselves when they're like that. They don't like how their disorder affects them. Or they probably don't even like the way the side effects affect them, because, uh, I mean, mine are terrible. I'm pretty tired all the time, which I guess is kind of a benefit, seeing I still have to sleep in the days. But, at least I'm not having major impulse issues. I'm not blowing up all the time. <laughs> Still some outbursts here and there. Or, you know, that rage bubbling just below the surface, but it's not spewing out and affecting others. It's, it's, it's a scary thing. It's a hard thing. And too many people go through it, 
and too many people go through it alone and they really shouldn't have to and people say oh reach out you can talk to me you I'm here to help when you need it but they just if you're not dealing with it you don't understand and before anyone tries going and shoving therapy down my throat I don't believe in psychiatry I don't believe in psychotherapy none of that and the reason why when I started having seizures at age 16 following my meningitis infection doctors told me that they weren't quote-unquote real seizures and I could stop anytime that I wanted to if they were psychological then a few years down the line I was told they were physiological which God's honest truth to this day I still don't know what the fuck that means how is a seizure or a pseudo seizure physiological I can't comprehend that so if anyone out there can explain it to me I'd fucking love to understand so once I was finally diagnosed with epilepsy at age 22 I was very relieved that there was a doctor who pulled his head out of his ass, listened to me, and figured out what was wrong. And I didn't have the explosive personality disorder at that time, so he didn't have to deal with it. By the time I was diagnosed with that, I'm pretty sure the other doctor had moved. And Did I have a neurologist at that time? I must have. But it was a, a GP that diagnosed the, the EPD. Uh, and it's well, anyway, as I was saying, you know, it, it can be scary to go through something like no one else understands and you know they might just end up being scared of you and I don't want people to be scared of me granted sometimes I do just want them to get the fuck away from me <laughs> but I don't want them to be scared and I especially hate the thought of my daughter being scared of me because children shouldn't be terrified of their parents and when I react the way that I did with her I know that that's just gonna make her scared of me and that does not make me feel wow that hurt to actually say so anyway Basically, what I'm trying to say here is, if you start feeling bad, if, you, if your brain is sick, like mine was, if you believe in psychiatry, psychology, any of that stuff, knock yourself out, reach out to someone, 
see if just talking can help you. But, you know, there might, it might be that you have to go to a doctor. Whether you like it or not, some people don't like doctors. They don't like medications. But, there are times where medication is the only thing that can not necessarily fix the problem, but at the very least, make it not so bad. Because I'm sure if I hadn't gone back on the propranolol, I would be in major trouble right now. And like I said, it's not fixing everything, but it has made things better. So, I say all that to say, you know, just take care of yourselves and make sure your mental health is, you know, in a good spot. If you need help, find it wherever you feel it's best to find it. And if you gotta take those drugs, for God's sake, find someone who can prescribe them who can help you and just uh, just get better because anyone who loves you who relies on you isn't going to be helped by you denying that you have uh, mental difficulties wow that was rough okay uh, for now, this is J-Train, and thank you for taking this ride with me.